world-class guests, fascinating stories, inspirational messages. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about intentional optimism. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Andrea Johnson. Andrea is an optimism expert and professional encourager who teaches others how to grow, lead, and succeed through coaching, speaking, and training. You can reach Andrea at her website, theintentionaloptimist.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Andrea. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you, Linda. I'm so glad to be here. I am excited to be talking about optimism, and this is such a wonderful, powerful thing. And you use a couple words that are different than most people use, intentional optimism and toxic optimism. Do you want to explain Mm -hmm. what those are and what the difference is? I think right now people are hungry for some kind of optimism. You know, everywhere you go, um, people are like, I love the name of your business. And it's just because we're starving for it. We have so many things in our lives that are just bombarding us that are negative from the pandemic to in the United States. I don't know what your audience is, but in the United States with our political climate and everything that's going on, I think we all are just dying to have something like that in our lives problem is so many people want to go the opposite direction and just have optimism no matter what. If you're familiar with Pollyanna, Mm -hmm. that's what I would call toxic optimism. It's just optimism at anybody's expense, at the expense of the truth, at the expense of our sanity, at the expense of reality, at the expense of growth. That's toxic, right? That doesn't help us. That's just like painting a veneer on something. But intentional optimism is based In Proverbs 31, this woman that King Lemuel's mother was telling him about, this is the kind of woman you need to find. And it has six basic tenets, and it's very rooted in reality, rooted in understanding and wisdom. So it's a completely different animal than toxic optimism. That is fantastic. And I'm glad you brought up Pollyanna. You probably, I don't know, we all know that term that means optimism in the face of whatever. But Mm -hmm. if you've actually read the book, it's not about that at all. The interesting thing is this is one place where Disney got it wrong and they Mm. ruined it so bad that people turned it into that idea that it is uh, being kind of clueless about things. Mm -hmm. So kind of interesting. But that was not the original intention. So if anybody actually wants to read the book. Okay, so what is Well, I haven't read the book, so I'm going off the Disney movie. I know, know, right? Everyone does. That's why the word Pollyanna means to be so clueless that you're just like, la, 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 when you don't even have a clue what's going on in the world, and it's not particularly helpful, so that's awesome. So what is a a professional encourager? What does that mean? You know, um, we all need people to lift us up. And for me to be able to walk away from any conversation, even when it's a hard conversation, I was 20 years in the university, um, administrative and operations systems in the medical setting, and I supervised staff, and I hired, and I managed out. I mean, when you have, and I'm a mother, right? So you have hard conversations, and when you have a hard conversation, like, thank you for coming in, but I'm not going to hire you, and someone says, um okay, thank you. And then a week later, hey, can we have a chat? I consider you a mentor. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. That's when you know you've impacted other people in a way that's different than just blowing smoke, right? It's just, this is not blowing sunshine up somebody's dress. This is making sure that they understand that they're valued, 
that they are important, that they are uniquely created. And we celebrate all of those things about them in order to help them succeed. And so as a professional encourager, I do that from many stages. I do that from a podcast, a Facebook group, coach, um, keynote speaking. I do it from all kinds of stages and I do it one-on-one. It's the most, um, the highest privilege when someone will show up and say, the one person I wanted to talk to was you. And yeah, and, and I'm thinking, I'm one of those people that's a little clueless sometimes because I'm, I'm a DISC consultant, so that's DISC behavioral analysis. And I know myself, I'm a very high odd, which is like a tigger, which is, you know, like the fun, outgoing person. And I have been by my best friend several times, kicked under the table because I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, oh, okay, yes. But when people come to, so that tells me that when people come to me and say, you're a safe place for me. That tells me, okay, I have encouraged them in a way that is lasting and impactful. So I think that's what I'd like to be and do. Wow. I love that you mentioned being a safe place. There are very, very few people in the world that I consider a safe place for me where I can just talk and say anything. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're all pretty multi-talented. We can wear a lot of hats. I can do this. I can do that. I can have this conversation. I can meet that thing. But to be able to say anything and feel mm-hmm. that safety and that peace, that is huge. Yeah. Wow. And cultivating those kinds of relationships is kind of at the core of intentional optimism. It's building those kinds of relationships in our lives through personal growth and leadership that actually give us that kind of community that we're looking for to walk through every single thing, every valley, every mountaintop, to have those kinds of, in, um, that kind of community and that environment to be in. That's what it's about. How do you create that kind of a community or become yeah. part of that community? It's very intentional. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. Let's talk about intentional. Um, no, it, it really is. You have to start with yourself. Every personal growth and leadership trainer or teacher or speaker is going to tell you that you first must lead yourself. And that has to do with just looking inside and saying, where am I? And, and am I the kind of person that is a safe person? Am I the kind of person that I want to build a community around? Um, you know, is, is, is this the kind of person that I want to be around? And when we start with ourselves, that is the best place to, to do that and to build out from there and then find the people that are that are resonating with that and do the same for them. And when we receive things and turn around and give them, that's how we start building community. Kind of like, you know, the water bucket brigade, (laughs) you get it, you take it and you give it away to the next person. Wow. That is fantastic. Oh, beautiful, beautiful and simple and yet hard, easy Mm -hmm. to to explain maybe and difficult to do. I love that you said, is this the kind of person I want to be around when we're talking about ourselves? I mean, how many people do not enjoy being around themselves. In fact, part of the struggle with this whole COVID situation is with that lack of the social interaction that we're used to having and those distractions, we have to be in the company of ourselves, undistracted. And a lot of people say, but I don't like this company. So, I mean, how do you, how do you fix that one? Well, it's really easy to give like a flip snarky answer and just say, well, then this is the perfect opportunity. (laughs) But, you know, we, we need to have compassion on each other and compassion on ourselves and for ourselves. And just remember that we didn't get here overnight and it's not going to be fixed overnight. Um, but being willing to look in the mirror and say, what am I seeing? What do I, 
not like? And then how do I fix that? First of all, you can ask for help. Um, cause a lot of times we can't really see what's there. We can only see the mask that we wear. We can only see the things that we think we know. Um, but that's just where a personal growth journey starts. It has to start with looking in the mirror. Mm, that is beautiful. Okay. So I'm going to go back to your bucket brigade thing a little bit. Sure. That giving and receiving, you know, you take the bucket and then you pass it on. A lot of times people, particularly women, are not really good at receiving. We think we give, 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 and we're not mm-hmm. super awesome at, you know, taking the bucket. We want to take our bucket and give it and, and still give it and, and still it give and it. Give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and there's nothing left to give. So do you have any recommendations for how to help people, again, particularly women, to feel uh, that they have permission to receive? I think you use the right word there. It's permission. Um, but a lot of it comes down to valuing yourself and valuing yourself as much as you value others. And in the Christian community, a lot of times, you know, it's really easy and, and, and quick to say, no, 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 others are more important. Well, yes, they are. But Jesus said, love as you love yourself. <laughs> right. And so if you, if you love as you love yourself and you're never loving yourself, then you're not truly loving other people. So sometimes it can be as, as simple, air quotes, as a logical understanding of what we're doing. Um, But so much of it is being willing to put ourselves in a community where other people will pour into us. As women, um, in the last several years, that's been kind of a thing that I've had to wake up to, is that women don't necessarily build each other up. They um, have to fight each other for jobs in the marketplace, and they, um, they don't they don't always do that. And at least that was my experience. I'm a really strong, outspoken woman. <laughs> I'm tiny, but I'm mighty. And so being in Southern Christian culture was a little bit of a challenge for me. I'm not the quiet, demure. I mean, I'm a pastor's wife too. And so I'm not <laughs> any of those things. I have opinions. I nearly have a master's in theology. I, yeah. I And it has taken me a long time to get to the place. I mean, I'm 55, right? And it, so I was 54 when I started my podcast and it still took me half the year to realize oh, people want to hear my opinion, Awesome, <laughs> you know, and we, we think that being the giving, giving, giving is a way of being unselfish, but the reality is it's actually more selfish. Hear me on this because we're not actually giving of ourselves. We're not actually, so we're giving out in service but we're not really giving of ourselves. And I didn't, when I say people come to me as a safe place, it never occurred to me that they were coming to me for wisdom. It never occurred to me they were coming to me for advice. They were coming to me for things that that I could give them of myself. And for some reason, those were, it was okay for me to do that in those types of situations. But when it came down to doing it publicly or in the church, it wasn't. And I had to reconcile that and say, all right, Women need to be a safe place for me. How do I actually make that happen? Because clearly, I don't know this, I don't mean to sound like this is not a black or white issue, right? But men are not necessarily the safe place for me. If I want to grow, if I want to be in community with people who are more like me, it's more likely to be women. (laughs) So, and, and I want to help other women not take as long to get to this understanding and realization as it took me. So being able another I use the water brigade, but another one I use is, you know, the little, the little barrel of monkeys that we have for our kids. They're like red and blue and one arm is up and one arm is down. Uh And, um, I think of as we're climbing a mountain, 
I reach up to you and you lock arms with me and help pull me up. And I turn around with this other arm and lock arms with somebody else. And so we're constantly moving up. We're constantly working together to get things done. And women, more than any other, I don't know, women, I can't say more than any other. Um, I, I was listening to Beth Moore just recently and she said, I talk too much to always be right. So every time I, you know, every time I talk, I know I'm going to say something wrong. And I'm like, I totally identify with that. Um, I think women can be very nurturing and um, can really help each other do that. But when we're not, we're really out for ourselves. And I think it's just really um, something that we have to be cognizant of and careful about and be willing to say, I'm going to help you by becoming the best thing I can be in order to show you how to be the best thing you can be. Oh, love That's it. Long-winded, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was fabulous. Um, I liked when you talked about giving of ourselves. So we have yeah. to have something to give. And right. that includes having that chance to fill that bucket and to become ourselves. It's also, as we're talking about women and some of our natural traits and some of the things that are our go-to, I think as a, as a general rule, uh, my nature is more um, nurturing than, say, my husband's would be. So, But I think sometimes we think when it's time to put on a, a leadership role or a, a some kind of job thing, then we have to deny our femininity and we mm -hmm. have to go all masculine. I got to be. And then you get into that nasty cutthroat stuff that you right. were talking about. So you say that, that women are really natural leaders. There are things about us that naturally lend into leadership. So do you want to explain that yes. a little bit? So if you go back to look at Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, and look at this woman that King Lemuel, this is not Solomon's mom, this is King Lemuel's mom, is telling him about. She is a fashion icon. She is a real estate investor and developer. She plants a vineyard, grows the vine, sells the grapes, makes the wine, gets rich, is a philanthropist. She clothes all of her family in scarlet and purple, which is a big deal back then. She's, um, she's well known in the town. Her children rise up and call her blessed, right? It's like, that's very biblical language, but it's, it's still, um, that's like my son standing out on the corner and saying, my mom is so great. And he's 12. He's not going to do that right now. And, um, so, <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you know, they just don't, I mean, they, they reach a point where they like stop and then they get it back. Right. Um, but for her to be so well known, her husband's name is well known because of her. This is an example to us of all the things that we do well. And I always saw the Proverbs 31 woman as, you know, a homeschooler canning, you know, made her own clothes. And, and when I re re went back and looked at it, I'm like, no, she is a businesswoman. She is a philanthropist and a teacher. And women lead in ways that nobody else can, um, I'm an adoptive mother, so I, I didn't give birth to a child, but there's something about doing that. And even just in the mother relationship, you're leading your children, you're leading your family in ways that the father doesn't do. Um, now, granted, sometimes people have switched or different types of roles, but in general, that's a leadership. Um, that's a leadership position. Um, because we tend to be more nurturing, we tend to value other people better and one of the best ways to get people to follow you is to value them. We call that charisma. We call that, um, I don't know, that, that je ne sais quoi, but it's, it's similar, like the feminine version of charisma. Cause we want to think of charisma as like some kind of a magnetism, right? Um, and that's what it is when 
when you value other people, when you nurture them and you care about them growing, people understand that and they feel that and they're drawn to you. And that's how we uniquely lead as women, I think. Wow. All right. So what is unconventional leadership? Is that what we've been talking about? Yes. And you actually touched on it when you said that a lot of times women will think that when they get into a position of leadership, they have to act like a man. They don't. And I, you had this tagline that we lead from, it, it, we all lead at any level in any area with our unique skills and strengths and specialties. And just the, the, the women that I interview on my podcast are women who um, started a fashion company and went to East Africa and Kenya and taught Maasai women how to sew because she said they need a way to provide for their families. Well, she didn't necessarily consider, consider herself a leader, but she is, she's keeping them, you know, she, they don't have an education and a lot of times they are victims of human trafficking. So she's giving them an, a, an ability to, well, the kind of things that will produce an income that will provide for their family, which means that she, they're safe, right? Um, another woman who just wanted to help kids get prom dresses or, and prom clothes. And now she runs the Cinderella Project for all of the Shenandoah Valley. And I mean, literally runs this huge charitable completely on the side. She's a full-time employee and women who see in others ways to lift them up and figure out how to do that. That's unconventional leadership. We don't have to lead in a way that looks like the MBA six foot tall, blonde hair, blue eyed dude, right? We don't have to lead that way. We can lead exactly as we are in our own way. And we can do it in an unconventional way coming out of this pandemic where all the norms have been turned on their heads. Everything that was like all the, this is how we go to work has been turned on its head. This is the type of work we do has been turned on its head. Women really thrive in the kind of community where it's, we're like emerging, right? So that we're like emerging leaders and women can come out of this, I think, in ways that we never expected. I think we're just kind of primed for taking over the world, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) In good and beautiful ways, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting as you're discussing this leadership and unconventional leadership, I think it's kind of redefining what we think is leadership, coming with a different definition in our minds, that it doesn't necessarily mean I am the boss of this corporation and I do these particular behaviors and these, you know, types of way that I treat people. Um, Maybe that idea that that means I'm above, so I have to keep people down, that kind of thing we can be up and be lifting people up in the same time with that little monkey thing or our bucket. Mm-hmm. We can be giving and receiving. And it sounds like a leader in, in a way is, is a person who's an example, is a person yes. who lets someone um, teaches, a, a teacher, a, a mother. Mm-hmm. All of these, these roles are, are forms of leadership that sometimes I don't think we give ourselves credit for. You just mm-hmm. You just think, oh, I'm just a mom, or I'm just a teacher, or I'm just a whatever, instead of elevating that role and saying, I am a leader, I am raising a a part of the next generation, and I'm teaching these children, or I'm doing this or that and the other, to to pat ourselves on the back a little bit and say, Mm -hmm. I am doing it, I am a leader. Mm -hmm. And I I love to say, we are the role models for the future generations. And that, that's men and women. That's all of us. But I speak specifically to women. And we are those role models. We're, we're the role models to our children. We're the role models to the young women coming behind us to see, hey, it can be done different. And I 
particularly have a heart for women who want to go into entrepreneurship or start a nonprofit, mostly because I like the underdog and I've gone into entrepreneurship after 20 years in the university setting. But, you know, just being able to say those words, I am, is huge because so many women don't have that ability to do so. They've taken on roles that, good or bad, society has said, this is the path you should walk. And depending on where you are and your, you know, whether it's your particular community or a religious affiliation or um, maybe it's an ethnic community, and they just walk these paths and we don't ever question why we're in them. And to me, that's that's been the most beautiful journey that I've taken. It's been hard to question, why am I on this path? I don't think I like this path. This path actually makes me feel small. This path makes me feel, or on this path, I feel like I'm being held back or held down. And for the longest time, I thought other people were doing it to me. (laughs) But here's the thing about personal growth. You realize finally that at some point you took all that on yourself. And just because people started that with you, just because society said these things initially, we end up taking those things on ourselves and boxing ourselves in because it's what we're comfortable with. And we're comfortable with that leadership role that looks like, you know, pressing people down and is up on this pedestal or is a man. And we're comfortable with that. We don't know what to do differently. And breaking out of that can be a little scary. That's part of why we have a community. That's part of why we lift each other up and why we share our bucket with the next person or put the monkey arms out to the next person. Because otherwise, um, without the role models, without the mentors, um, and I was talking to, literally, I was interviewing a woman two days ago for my podcast, and she was talking about the difference between a sponsor and a mentor. And she said, a mentor is somebody that you brainstorm with and you get your ideas from, because we all talk about wanting mentors. But a sponsor is someone who will go into, like, let's talk about it. She talked about it in a corporate setting. We'll go into those board meetings or the behind the closed doors, and they're going to celebrate you. And they're going to be the ones that will talk good about you to actually get you into that next promotion. And, you know, for us to be that person for someone else, that is like, that's true leadership. When you can actually lift other people up actively that's when you're really leading. This is a beautiful example of servant leadership. You're a leader through serving others. That is fantastic. Oh, I loved everything you said. There were a couple things that popped into my head. One is you asked the question, why? And Mm -hmm. that's, I think, important to have that introspection where we start to ask some of those questions of not just I'm doing this because I do this, but to say, well, why am I doing this? And why do I feel that way? And I loved the whole idea of that personal accountability. I don't think we can really heal if we're in that state of that victim mentality. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to, if we want the power to do the things we want, we have to claim that power. Mm -hmm. We can't just be the victim and say, I am this way because of X, Y, Z. Or because of my parents or because of my church or because of my school or society. It's really easy to do that. And And I'm not going to lie. I went through the whole, at the beginning, it was like, I was shaking my fist and I was like, I'm really angry. And then it was, oh, wait a minute, that's me. (laughs) You know, and, and when you do that, it's just, it does feel like pieces are kind of like armor is being removed or, you know, things are being stripped away. 
But the beauty is when that happens, this is where I love the whole caterpillar to butterfly analogy and it's used and used and used, but you know, breaking out of that chrysalis that the, that the caterpillar has been in, then the butterfly gets to show, then the wings open, then you get to fly. I just gave myself chill bumps. And you know, that's when the beauty of what could be that we saw a little bit of in the caterpillar, that's when you really see that when they break out of their own, they make their own cocoon, right? It's like literally something they make around themselves. And when they're willing to and take the time and the energy, and quite frankly, I have no idea if it hurts them, but it looks like it might, to break out, that's when true growth happens and when they really can shine and and just show the world the beauty that they have. And that's what we always, we always celebrate butterflies, right? We don't necessarily celebrate caterpillars. <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> we like to see the end product. And sometimes mm-hmm. we forget that that end product came through a process. And I think it's also very helpful to use that butterfly analysis that if we feel like we're a caterpillar and that we're going through a hard time, maybe we're in our little cocoons thinking, I have to protect myself. I need to be safe. I, all of these kinds of things. That we don't have to stay that way. We Uh don't have to stay in that cocoon. We have the power and we are designed to emerge and to become all of those beautiful things that that we were designed to be. Right. And that's, so personally, I went through that. I started that several years ago. Um, It was actually when my mother died. Um, She had a breast cancer battle for 15 years. And it doesn't matter how prepared you think you are for losing a parent or a loved one of any of any kind. Um, it's always something that causes you to reflect, or at least, you know, for me it was. And I kind of went into that. And that's when I really started examining, who am I? I've been on a personal growth journey for 30 years, just because that's who I am. I like to learn. But it was a real intense kind. It was a little bit like being in a crucible and coming out and saying, okay, this is who I am. This is why, that's where I came up with intentional optimism and the six tenets and saying, this is how I break out and become the butterfly. This is how I let go of some of those other things. This is the path I'm going to walk. And it's not always been easy, but it's definitely worth it. Oh, I love that. Things that are worth it. So can we briefly hear the six tenets? Absolutely. Um, I described them because I grew up, I'm a missionary kid. I grew up on the West, no, I grew up in Seoul, Korea, actually. And then on the, I'm trying to, the east coast of, of Korea, of South Korea, was a beach that we spent our summers at. The missionaries had leased it from the, from the government. And um, we had a little sunfish and a little laser sailboat. So if you grew up sailing, I, I did. And so I now start using that as my analogy for my six tenets because it's the perfect little picture of what intentional optimi- optimism is because we're going on a journey, right? We're starting off from where we are now to where we want to be. So I talk about the six tenets, the first being optimistic, which is pretty obvious, but that means I have hope and it does have a sense of positivity and I'm proactive about acting on that hope and that proact- and that um, positivity. And that's your hull, right? Without the, without the hull of your boat, you're not going anywhere. The second tenet is present and that's your centerboard. That keeps you upright in the water no matter how hard the wind blows. If you don't have a centerboard or a keel on the bottom of your boat, when the wind blows hard, it's going to blow right over. So in pr- when we're present, we have a sense a sense of wonder and a sense of generosity, and we're kind and we're open. Then the third tenet is energetic. This is your sail. Now, it's not that's not where the energy comes from. It captures the actual energy, 
And it's where, this is when we talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. She's very industrious and she's definitely energetic and excitable and she's life focused, right? She, she loves joy and she laughs without fear at the future, those kinds of things. So that's your boat, your centerboard, your sail. And then the fourth one is courageous. This is your rigging. If you don't have ropes tied to that sail, you have no way of harnessing the wind. And when we're courageous, courageous, that's when we talk about being a leader. And you tapped into that. It's being a servant leader. It's having vision. It's being able to communicate that to others. It is having a sense of adventure as well. Being willing to see some of the hard journeys we're on as an adventure. I learned that early in my marriage when we only had like MapQuest things that we could print out and we got lost. It was just best to say I was on an adventure. <laughs> But the last piece of courageous is being, is having some resilience. That's being able to get up. Like there are be times when that boat's going to just totally hit the drink, right? And you've got to be able to right that boat. So being courageous and, and holding onto those ropes, sometimes you have to let out the ropes and let go of the tension for the sail. Sometimes you need to pull it tighter and then you're really going to fly because you're going to like go at a diagonal and you see people hanging out the side of a boat to balance it. That's when you're really flying. The fourth piece is wise, and this is your rudder or on a bigger boat, your wheel. It makes total sense, right? It's like, this is keeping you pointed to your the spot on the horizon where you know you want to go. And this is encompassed by things like understanding and seeing things from all sides and using our words in ways that build each other up and that are encouraging and having respect for each person that we're in contact with, knowing that they're, we're all created in the image of our creator. And um, when people see that wisdom in you, then they come to you for the guidance. And that's where your rudder comes into play. So you've got your boat, your centerboard, your sail, your ropes, and your rudder. And the last thing of pulling it all together and actually getting it in the water is intentionality. If you don't have that sense of purpose or a plan or a willingness to grow, your boat's just going to sit on the sand. <laughs> I mean, I grew up on the beach, right? We didn't have a dock. So if you could either get other people to help you get that boat in the water, which I think is what community is for, or you just had to wait for the tide to come in. <laughs> and we've all heard that. I'm waiting for my, I'm waiting for the tide to come in. I wait for my boat to come in on the tide. And it can wait, you can wait a long time. I waited 50 years, right? And I wish I hadn't. So that's why I share what I have so that other women don't have to wait that long. I love working with 20 and 30 somethings because they still have so much wonder and it's so fresh and they have so much, oh my gosh, they have so much energy. <laughs> and being able to say to them, here's what I have. Take, use, go, right? That's the exciting part. That is fantastic. I loved our conversation. I've loved the things that I have learned and been reminded of. I think you're amazing. Thanks for what you're doing. And thanks oh, for thank being here Thank you so much. It's my today. privilege. Yes. Awesome. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Bernard Beckett. He said, Human spirit is the ability to face the uncertainty of the future with curiosity and optimism. It is the belief that problems can be solved, differences resolved. It is a type of confidence, and it is fragile. It can be blackened by fear and superstition. Today, I invite you to face your future with intentional optimism. See you next time on Linda's Corner.